You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me once again via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the point streak continues. Uh, the Islanders did lose a game in overtime. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to be mad when it's like been this good for this long, right? Yeah, it's really hard to be mad in this new universe. It's just everyone's smiling. Uh, I saw a guy. I was walking on uh, 6th Avenue between, like, I was on my way to work just walking it's pretty shitty weather too. So people, you know that walk people do in the city where like no nobody's happy. It's not Friday. Right. It's not even Thursday. It's just like basically head down, head um, down, shoulders up, and like sh- just yep. kind of leaning, you know, just zooming as fast as they can in one direction. Yep, and exactly, and like making their way around people who right. who like abruptly stop, and and you just know like nobody wants to be talked to. And and so I'm I'm walking down, um, it's like probably like 36th Street. And, and six, so I'm like I'm in, it's I'm in the shit. Like it's it's really not a fun area to be in at this time. And I just try to walk as fast as I can at work. But um, it was then night after. Uh, let's see, when was it? What, the Islanders had just won, so it was one of the past couple weeks. Every night, basically, and uh, I'm just walking up the block, and uh, this guy just basically shoves like six people out of his way. And I had an Islanders, uh, I have like a little fisherman crew neck sweater that I, I like to break out on days where after they win and uh he just came over and just gave me like just a hearty kind of like that shane spencer yankee kind of high five right. slash hug kind of thing like very <laughs> uh and no, no words were exchanged or anything and um it was 
it was just it it was like a happy violence, a very happy violent hug or something because it was it was it was an intense moment, uh, and it was just that's what the world we're living in now. That like you said, it's it's really, um, really just hard to be mad at anything, and even even a you know shitty day in the city walking through, um, you know trying to not bump into anybody. Yeah, no, it's it's brought out the best in a lot of us. Uh, we'll get to uh, some stuff I saw after the game against the Sharks, but this definitely is a new universe, and uh, it's it's you know taking a long time to kind of sink in. I think that this team just doesn't want to lose games, like, and and that's you know I, I'm not trying to when you say that like I don't want it to sound like other versions of this team were in fact trying to lose games or didn't want to win games because obviously they did, but man, there's just something about this team that just doesn't want to walk away without two points and the the you know two two of the last three games have been illustrations of that both overtime wins against the penguins uh the first one was in pittsburgh it was last tuesday so it's about a week this one's gonna pop up uh monday afternoon so uh, there's a game that night against anaheim so we're gonna take it back to last week probably not talk too much about that anaheim game uh, until our he was an islander segment uh, I'll spoil. I won't spoil it. But uh, anyway, um, so the Islanders came back to win that game five four in overtime. Uh, the Penguins had a two nothing lead after one. Islanders didn't play particularly well. They did, they did have an edge in high danger chances. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier and Brock Nelson tied the game. Surprise, surprise. That line has been kind of on fire for a while. But the Penguins took a three two lead just with a little bit left in the period. And then uh, they took a 4-2 lead a little bit into the third period. You thought, all right, well, yeah, maybe this is where it ends and just makes some sense. But no, Josh Bailey scores. Ryan Pulick ties it with about 90 seconds left. And then Brock Nelson in overtime uh, just stays with it. And, you know, Matt Murray makes a save, but the puck squirts underneath his pads. And there's Nelson. And boom, they won it. And it's it ended up being, you know, you looked at the stats afterwards. They looked like they, they turned it around after that bad first period. And kind of, you know, led the the Penguins in a lot of statistical categories. Uh, Simeon Varlamov was not great. We're going to talk about him in a second. Um, and Nicoletti ended up with three assists. And you thought, oh, wow, they, they, they really did not want to lose that game. They came back and they won it. Thursday, Penguins again in this in Brooklyn this time. And this time, the you know, there was another – the Islanders ended up taking – you know, tying the game in the first, uh, the ice was awful. I mean, let's let's be honest. I'm, I'm kind of surprised nobody mentioned it after the game. But that ice was just trash. I mean, I've seen that was the worst. I think that was the worst I've ever seen. It's it was pretty bad. I mean, it was I I think it was a combination of the bad ice and then maybe I don't know. Did somebody leave the the pucks out into room temperature or something? Because it was I don't know how anybody scored any goals in that game. It was just insanity. It was awful. It was embarrassing <laughs> to be quite honest. Uh, I blame Tool by the way. That was who was at the uh, the Barclays a little bit earlier. Um, but uh, Brian Rust, who I absolutely cannot stand at this point, uh, made a two one. Anthony Beauvillier tied it. The Penguins had some kind of long penalty-killing streak. Anthony Beauvillier doesn't care. He scores a power play goal. Um, Nelson uh, um, scores off a face-off. Patrick Hornquist tied it. And then it was Nelson again in overtime. uh, You know, to uh, that one was the – what was that one? Oh, yeah, no, he broke in. Like, there was a very kind of weird set play, and then he he broke in and scored. Um, And – you know, so here they are, 16-game point streak, two two huge overtime wins scored by the same guy, and Barry Trotz comes into his press conference, and he's like, well, I'm disappointed we gave away a point. And I'm like, this guy is the best. I love this guy. <laughs> I can't believe it. He's, he's upset they gave away a point, but that's the way this team thinks. Like, they just want the wins, and they don't want to give anybody else the wins, and it is 
unbelievable that this is our team right now that is operating this way because we've never seen it like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said before that uh, not that other previous teams would try to lose, but the old saying was always, especially like around laughing stocks like the Islanders or you know the Jets or teams like that of that nature, just uh, co- teams with cultures of losing. Uh, they uh, they invent ways to lose games and. Um, even when the Islanders do that, or it looks like they're about to do that, like I thought, you know, they, they obviously deserve full marks for coming back in that first Penguins game. But then because of like the weird officiating and stuff, and Josh Bailey made such a good play to um, right. kind of relieve some, some pressure deep in the zone when yeah. the Penguins were, were going for that tie up. And he made a slick like kind of reverse uh, deep in the zone, caught, caught basically the entire Penguins team shifting his way. And then quickly went back the other way, found Scott Mayfield as an, for an escape valve. And you're like, oh, the Islanders, they're going to ice this game because Mayfield had, you know, acres of space to kind of dump or even take a shot at the empty net. <laughs> I don't know why he tried to, like, make a, a move Man. at the blue line. And I was like, what is he doing? Because yeah. and and, you know, he's just feeling his oats. Like, I think everybody on this team can do it. Um, but like so and then the Penguins score on a five on four that should have been a six on five. There's just a lot of weird stuff. And I was like, you know, if this was the old team, you'd say the Islanders just invented a way to kind of blow a lead. But they uh, even when they do that, they still then uh, come out on top or, uh, you know, grab points. And it's yeah. uh, they, they, they don't invent ways to lose anymore. Yeah, no, they definitely are good at shaking stuff like that off. And we'll talk about you know what happened in the Sharks game in a second. But, yeah, that Mayfield thing, I was so mad. <laughs> but but then you get over it because, you know, all right, well, they're going to go to overtime now. Barry Trotz called it out too, and he's like, you know, when we try and get too fancy, that's when we get in trouble. And that's exactly what he's talking about. You know, Mayfield tried to turn into Paul Coffey all of a sudden and skate around three Penguins and, get lo and behold, he got picked off. So, you know, but the point Trotz was making was that they wouldn't, he probably wouldn't make that mistake again. Like we learn, you know, they, they learn from those kinds of things and he wouldn't do that again. Um, that was a poorly officiated game though, as you said. And uh, the one that sticks out to me was uh, Anders Lee is, is having a rough go over lately. He hasn't, he has no, he's only got five goals on the season, no power play goals. Arthur Staple had an article about it today on the athletic and uh, he, I don't know if it was spilled out uh, in this or he was just tired of taking slashes or whatever, but he fought, he, 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 he and Zach Aston Reese of the Penguins fought, uh, and it was a fight. I mean, uh, as I told my friends uh, that uh, Lee kicked his ass in Reese, and he punched him in the face several times, and he was bloody, and they both went off, and uh, they both got uh, two minutes for roughing. Which and, and then Jared McCann four. was like, they, yeah. they tried to kick Jared McCann off, but then they didn't. One line that- told him he was kicked out. But nobody gave him an actual penalty, so another penguin had to go in and get him out of the locker room, and he was already like taking off his equipment. And you know, again, I we went through this a couple episodes ago. I hate the Penguins; I can't stand it. But I I couldn't help but you know sympathize with Mike Sullivan. Like he was, it was like he was losing his mind. Like, oh my god, what, why did he send a guy go get him? I could just picture him on the bench telling I don't know who the hell he was. Go get him, go get him, and the guy had to go get him. It's like, how do you feel, not feel bad for this guy? Oh my god, like that's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I, so bad ice. Bad officiating, complete insanity. That last five minutes was like it's just the twilight zone. It was insane. Yeah, I was trying to explain it to some people uh, at work who aren't, you know, um, huge hockey fans, and I, I couldn't even. I was uh, it's, it was on Slack, so it should have been, you know, I could have been able to like kind of to write it out, which would have been a lot easy easier to vocally explain it, and I still couldn't. I was just like, I don't know, I don't 
really get what's going on at all. And uh, both teams came out worse for it. I mean, the, the, the six on five, I would have, you know, you always take a six on five rather than a five on four in overtime. And uh, especially one that you can't ice the puck to, to shoot at the net because it's not a penalty kill. It's just, mm. I, it just, the game got away from those guys for, <laughs> and it didn't benefit anyone. And no. just like the, the smarmy look on both coaches' faces is right. cracking me up. Yeah. Uh, Trotz said afterwards, I mean, you know, one thing we talked about, Trotz, I don't know if I mentioned it, but he said earlier this season that, you know, he does he doesn't argue with the refs unless he knows he's right, in which case he, – and he often doesn't, so he doesn't bother. But he wasn't going to say anything about it, but it, you could tell that I'm sure he was a little bit miffed at how that, you know, worked out. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, I mean, at the end of the day, like, they won. And, again, Nelson is the first Islander to score over back-to-back overtime game-winning goals. And, again, that's just another thing that keeps happening this season is they keep setting these new records. And so the 16-game point streak broke the, you know, team record point streak. And then they added to that with a 17-game point streak uh, due to an overtime loss in San Jose. Another weird one. You know, these California swings are always weird. Like, you always kind of just have to – Hope for the best, and and <laughs> the game starts. And a minute and a half into the game, Adam Pellet takes a penalty. The Islanders kill the penalty, but are completely disjointed for the first like five or six minutes of the game. And it was just like, man, I couldn't think of a worse way to start. They just could not get any anything going. Um, but then, about midway through the first, the things started to turn around. It, it you know ended up the Sharks probably had a, a bit of an edge in that first period. But then the second and third periods were basically all Islanders, and they were just they had a million chances on on goal and just couldn't put one past uh, Martin Jones. The the Sharks scored first, and then once again the Islanders just refused to to you know linger on it. And Casey Zizekas tied the game thirty seconds later, and that was the only those were the only two goals until overtime. And and like you said, I mean it was a little bit similar, not quite as egregious as. The Scott Mayfield thing, but Jordan Eberle had the the uh, Simeon Varlamov had made a save. He was great in that game, by the way. I mean, I, he was kind of rough the last couple of games. Yeah, he was really good. He, he was very, very good in that game, and so it's nice to see him kind of bounce back. Um, he makes a save. It squirts to the corner. Uh, Jordan Eberle is there, but so is Evander Kane. And I don't know, Eberle, I didn't want to kick it into the neutral zone. I guess he just maybe he was just trying to corral it and get it back to somebody on his own team, but. He got tangled up with Kane, and Kane came away with it, and he found um, Logan Couture on the other side of the net, and that was the end of the game. And, you know, again, I'm not mad about it. Just It does kind of suck that, you know, a different decision wasn't made at that point. And Everly had – he's really fighting it, man. And it's – him and Lee are just the two most snake-bitten guys on the team right now, which really sucks because Barzell is an absolute machine. I thought Barzell was yeah. going to have a hat trick in that game. He was insane. He, he was ridiculous. He was – there were some plays that he was making where he had – no angle, nobody with him, and then still, like, all of a sudden, the Islanders had, like, a three-on-one down low yeah. somehow. And and you're like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, one of the things to think, keep reminding yourself about the streak is through, like, the first, you know, four, 14 games what, or 12 games, the Islanders were getting no power plays, uh, and they still were winning in spite of that. And now, like, the, the kind of second half of the streak, um, neither they're not getting production from two of their uh, – best goal scorers lee lee who's led the team in goals for you know the past whatever three years or two years and um and everly who's probably you'd, you'd write down as their best pure goal scorer and their best uh you know kind of threat on the on the dot uh, with like with like a wrist shot and stuff and everly's made some good, good plays he made a great play against the penguins uh on the third goal or whatever first the the goal before the tying goal again at home and uh but yeah, I mean that even that shot, he had a like a wide open look in front of the 
right like in this in the slot and yeah. in my head you know there was this there was enough time he had so much time there was enough time for me to process this this thought of being like there's no way he's going to score. He's either going to hit the post or Jones is going to make an amazing save because nothing's going going in for this guy right now. And instead, it just like slipped off his stick somehow, and he snapped right. his stick on purpose. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely fighting it. But once once him and Lee score, I mean, imagine imagine if things like were actually all going right. A lot of things are go right. They have to go right for you to go on a streak like this. But I mean, there's still some parts of this team that haven't clicked yet. Right. I mean, with Everly, you know, he, he was hurt for a while. I mean, he missed it. They had a 10-game winning streak, and he basically missed all of it. He only played that first game and then got hurt. Uh, but now he's back up to speed. And, yeah, he, was he the one who rang? There was one that – somebody rang one off a crossbar. I mean, it might have been Barzell. I know Bo, hit a post, I think. And yeah. It might, yeah, maybe Barzell or Nelson. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, it, there were a couple posts. Yeah. Uh, there was – and so the, yeah, there was the one where his stick basically cracked – uh, but then there was another one on, on the other side of the ice, so the other period, where he was kind of wide open, just just off the side of the net, and then just missed it wide, you know. And it's just like, oh man, really? Um, and yeah, Lee, you know, with Lee, it's I, not that. I mean, obviously he's he's a good player on his own, but he's a little bit kind of more dependent, I think, on on his teammates to kind of get him, particularly in the power play. Like he's the he's the net front guy, you know. He gets tip ins and direct and redirects, and he's just he's, there's no luck for him right now. He's just not getting anything and. For him to have no power play goals here, you know, at almost Thanksgiving is remarkable. Like, that's just crazy. But the fact that the team has won, you know, 15 of their last 17 games is without him scoring those power play goals is even more remarkable. So it's a little bit crazy. And like you said, like, once they get going, you know, this team could could potentially even be even better than they are now, which is pretty ludicrous. Um, but, but before we go, I mean, the with the power play, so they had six power plays in San Jose went uh, 0 for 6, and uh, the Sharks' power play, they kept mentioning that they're the best in the league, and they had only given up eight power play goals the entire season so far. And so that's that's pretty good, <laughs> you know? I mean, this isn't like some kind of, um, you know, just fly-by-night thing that's kind of, you know, taken up by the seat of their pants. They're actually very, very good, and obviously they're a veter- very veteran team, so they you would expect them to know what they're doing. Um, Martin Jones did not have good numbers. He had, his save percentage had an eight in the first digit, which is never a good sign. Um, but he turned it on, and he was very good in that game too. But, I mean, he's been a good goalie for a long time in this league. And so after the game, uh, you know, I was looking around, and, and um, I saw a couple of comments on Twitter that were like, oh, it's just, they always do this. You know, the guy, this goalie comes in, and, and he stinks, but then he, they, they make him look like Patrick Waugh. It's like, well – he wasn't going to be an eight-something goalie all year long. Like he's been pretty good for. I mean, they did go to a Stanley Cup final not long ago. He's been pretty good. And then with the with the power play, it's like, oh, you you, you know, you can't go, you can't do that and not score in a power play. It's like, yeah, over six does suck, but again, these guys are very good, and so I wouldn't be surprised if they went if they went over six in a power play against like the Red Wings or something like that. That would be cause for concern because those guys, it's literally like ten guys off the street. I watched that Peng, that Devils uh, Red Wings game before the Islanders game on Saturday. And let me tell you, I, I have great regrets. <laughs> I should not have done that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, you never want to go over six on a power play, but like at the other, at the same time, it takes two to play the game. And, you know, sometimes you just get beat. And Barry Trot said after the game, you know, Hey, sometimes it comes down to one play, but they played very well in that Sharks game. In fact, they played better in that game than they had played against the Penguins in either of those two other games and came away with only one point. So, that's hockey sometimes, and now they're going to take the flight down to SoCal and, and play in Anaheim and L.A., and hopefully, you know, if they win those two games, they're coming home with five out of six points. And, I mean, is that like the, the best-case scenario for any 
time. Yeah. Any team traveling across country, that's the best case you can possibly make, right? Absolutely. And they, uh, yeah, they did play well. They, even the power play looked, there was like, I think the first one was basically a throwaway yeah. or maybe it was the second one. The first but, couple weren't great, but then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they looked they looked good. Uh, they were they they had opportunities. They had a lot of opportunities. Sure. And uh, yeah, Martin Jones is uh, he's he's one of those goalies that just will if you if you you know bet on hockey or if you were a Sharks fan like he he's he you need a fainting chair around that guy just because like he <laughs> he just I can never figure him out. He's he's he'll be terrible and then he'll steal a series after you know when they went down three one to the Knights they came back because Jones was just right. started to play unbelievable so. He's got that in his in his locker, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was really hard not to be encouraged by that entire um, yeah. performance last night. Uh, and they basically spent the second and third periods in their zone the entire time. Like it's crazy, yeah. you know. And Michael Dalco was really good too. I thought. Thank you. Yeah, I was gonna say he was he had a very very good game, Dalco. Um, he even had some looks on offense, which he doesn't always get sometimes. And uh, that yeah, that's actually that's another thing too. So um, Otto Koivula last four games has played. Uh, in as the sort of fourth, the actual fourth line center, like they don't get a lot of ice time. It's been him, Dal Cole, and not Bailey, right? No. Yeah, it is Bailey. Yeah, I guess it, it is I was Bailey. Say, you're forgetting it because he's, he also plays on the first line sometimes, and the <laughs> second kidding. line, and the third line. He gets so he is Barry Trotz's Swiss Army knife. Yeah, so you're right. So Bailey gets ice time. The other two guys not so much, um, but it's working out. And and in the way, it's what's happened is something that we've been <laughs> talking about for the last year and a half, which is Leo Komarov has been a healthy scratch. And, you know, I don't say that in like a mean way. I mean, I know Leo's a proud guy and, and he, you know, he's had a long history in this league and I'm sure he wants to play and he wants to win and the guys love him. But I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough thing for a coach to look at a guy who's been in the league for 10 years and be like, no, you're sitting out today because we're playing the kid. I don't know if it's going to last that long. I mean, Koivula is a center. Leo is not. Leo has played center. It's not his favorite thing to do. They don't have any other centers, frankly, that can play. So, you know, at least for the next couple of games, I would expect it to continue. But, I mean, again, that's the Trot's difference. Like, he's not afraid to scratch a Johnny Boychuk or a Matt Martin or a Leo Komarov and just, you know, this is the lineup we're going with because I feel like this is the lineup that's going to give us the best chance to win. Koivula had his first shot on goal <laughs> against the Sharks. Maybe he'll, you know, up that to two shots on goal against the Ducks. We'll see. But, uh, you know, what is encouraging, and, I, you know, I, I – I don't want to sound like a jerk and be like, oh, yeah, good. He scratch that guy because, you know, these guys are proud and they're they're professionals. But not every coach would do that. And we've seen it firsthand. Like not every coach is willing to scratch the veteran when he thinks that the other, you know, another lineup is going to be better. But Barry Trotz, he's not afraid to do that. He's really to, he's willing to put the lineup out that he thinks is better. And if you're not on it and you're, you know, 32 years old and have been in the league for 10 years, he doesn't care. Like you're going to sit. So, yeah, I think it, it's uh, that that's been getting taking some getting used to too like i i was shocked that's like one of maybe the most surprising part of this whole run is that um kamarov when he's when he came back wasn't like just immediately thrust back into the uh lineup you know yeah that's what you expect and he he was and you know he was in for the one game and then and they won and then he was out so uh yeah it's pretty cool i mean again <laughs> I, it's pretty cool that this guy scratched not really but it is but it isn't you know and so we'll see what happens i mean again i don't expect it to last that long i mean i would Totally expect him once once another center is healthy, maybe they send Otto back to Bridgeport and and play Leo with a different center or you know bring him back and do something else. But uh, it's a weird lineup, but it is working. And again, against the Sharks, they they were pretty darn good. Uh, okay, so we're gonna take a break right now. 
We're going to come back and have an interview with Michael Sherline, and we're going to talk about uh, his days as the Isles blogger and his, uh, you know, the, the long history of uh, Isles social media. And uh, then we'll come back. Uh... Oh, let me start that again. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to have a, a really cool interview with Michael Sherline. Uh, you may know him as Isles blogger on Twitter. We're going to talk about the changes and evolution of uh, Isles social media and uh, how that's gone over the, the many, many years. Uh, so please come back with us then. Thanks. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're going to have a special guest with us on right now. Uh, I was a special guest on his podcast a little while back, The Isles Faithful. And uh, we thought it'd be fun to have him on and uh, do a little cross-promotion and cross-conversation. Uh, you may know him from Twitter. You may know him from various uh, blogs he's written for. Uh, his name is Michael Sherline, and he's joining us right now. Mike, how's it going? Dan, Mike, what's going on? It's good to have you, bud. Thank you. I appreciate it. This it nice little rainy Sunday we were just talking about. Yes. Yeah. The weather is perfect for staying inside and, and doing a podcast <laughs> uh, and and uh, watching rainy football someplace else. Um, so for the purposes of this uh, this interview, uh, I'm going to refer to you as Mike and Mike Leboff as Leboff. How does that work? That works for me, especially because, you know, you'll maybe butcher my last name from time <laughs> to time, as as everybody in my life typically does. So it's Sorry. fine. Did I get it right? You got it right. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> it's one of my skills. I'm good. I'm good with last names because everybody butchers mine too. So, um, so uh, I guess uh, first things first. Um, I mean, I, we can't talk about the Islanders without talking about this 17 game point streak. I mean, I don't remember them having a run like this in a very long time, and I, I mean, I, I can't imagine you do too, right? I mean, this is it's pretty crazy. We can only say it so many times, but it is pretty crazy. I mean, I, at the last couple of episodes of the podcast, I inadvertently used streak in the title two times. So I just wanted to emphasize the point that the streak is just crazy and fun. And how many other superlatives can you kind of throw at it? Um, but, yeah, I, I don't remember a season like this uh, ever in my mm. adult life. I've, I've kind of tried to convey that on Twitter here over the last week or so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and even when they lose a game like they did last night against the Sharks on Saturday night, you know, you're just like, well, I mean, they played really well. They got to overtime. They got a point in 17 straight games. And you're just like, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, it, that's another weird feeling, too, is to not be like immediately angry and be like, who's this? What's this guy's fault? It's this guy. He stinks. You're just like, oh, well, what are you going to do? We'll get him next time. And it's like this is a completely new feeling, I think, for all of us. And it's just so weird. I guess it just brings us all together as Islanders fans that we're all kind of experiencing this thing together. I mean, you know, and and you guys can probably agree to this as well. We've been through all the bad, dark times together. So 
why wouldn't we spend the good times together as well? I mean, at least it's it's fun to talk about in this respect. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it's fun. And it's because it's such a small. We you know we talk about it with attendance when people point out attendance issues that like you don't realize just how small the fan base is. And and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's just like is what it is. It's the nature of having a team in an area like this and when there's already another team and 18 other sports teams in the town so it's like you you like that's a great point is is you've you've been through all this stuff with people and you and you see them you kind of get to know people how they like on twitter or whatever with how they react to the bad times and you're like and they're they're very people are so funny about um you know making fun of the islanders or you know self-deprecating about how much they hate themselves for loving the islanders that since this is such a new um feeling for all of us you're like oh i'm getting to know like the the kind of glass half full side of, of th- this person that I've known for six years just for, you know, hey, uh, you know, the self-loathingness of being an Islander fan. So now you see this new side of people. It's, it's been a lot of fun to, to see that. Yeah, I've had a lot of people be like, I, I've never seen you this happy after wins. And it's like, well, well, how am I not supposed to be happy? Like, you know, you win, win 15 games in a row and I'm pretty, pretty happy. That hasn't happened at, this, at any point in my Twitter lifetime for sure. Speaking of that, Dan, uh, if things continue in this direction, are you going to change your Twitter name? Never. <laughs> I will never change it. I want to stay humble. You got to remember those those dark times. And uh, also, I mean, I, you can't you can't have a, a Twitter handle called Culture of Losing and then just give it away. Like you just can't do that because you know you never know. Some like Falcons fan or something is going to jump on it, and you can't let that happen. So that's <laughs> uh, true. You got you got to know your roots, I guess. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, exactly. You can't you can't you know you can't stray too far, and uh, you want to keep that. Um, is there anybody that sticks out to you personally as like kind of you know the guy who you watch specifically when you're when they're playing games? I mean, obviously Barzell is going to be up there for everybody, but is there a guy who's really made you kind of sit up and be like, damn, this guy's having a really good season so far? Uh, yeah. Um, a couple of names right off the out of the gate here is that Airbnb line as Brendan Burke. Uh, <laughs> you know, we talked to him on Twitter yesterday about, you know, so you got uh, Beauvillier, Nelson, Broussard. And, uh, you know, I know he gets a lot of flack, especially on Lighthouse Hockey and some of the other boards. Uh, but as much as Bailey, I forgot who said this yesterday, but that he had like 50 something turnovers here at this point of the season. Every time he's on the ice, I feel like something is possible, you know, but that that second line there, which is really kind of becoming like Trotz's go to line for everything has just been ridiculous. And like I said before we started recording, I didn't get to see the game last night all but five minutes of anyway. And it, it seemed like they played well even last night. Oh, yeah, no, they, uh, Trotz even said, like, after the first five minutes, so Adam Pellick took a penalty like a minute in, and they were immediately on the penalty kill and just didn't get any shots going, Good, couldn't get anything going for about the first five or six minutes, but after that, they kind of turned it around, and then for the second and third periods, it was kind of all Islanders, which was kind of cool, and they mentioned after the broadcast it was one of the better games they played. Unfortunately, it was one that they had they did not win, which, again, was kind of rare to see. Um, and uh, it, it's funny you talk about Bailey because, it, you know, it's it's hard to separate him, you know, for all the things. And we've, we've talked about him a lot, and, and he's just come around to being a really integral part of the team. And, and he's made himself into a, a very, very good NHL player, which didn't seem possible that many years ago. But I it's hard to, like watch him play and then separate him from the constant criticism that he's been getting his entire career. Uh, and, you know, kind of looking at it with 
uh, looking at him with an uncritical eye as opposed to the eye, you know, assuming that the people looking at him with this critical eye. But then you remember that Josh Bailey has never once been on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't have like a Facebook or even an Instagram or anything like that. So he's basically been avoiding all of this, which is probably good because if he ever saw the things that people smart, said and wrote about him. smartest player in the team. Yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the smartest thing I've ever seen, yeah. And uh, Nelson, I don't believe any longer has a Twitter account. I believe he got hacked over the summer, whether it was oh. this summer or the summer prior. And uh, the last time I looked to try to tag him and stuff, I try not to tag players and yeah. things all that often, especially, you know, with all the critical things that they have to read about themselves. It's more positive or just poking fun at people like in a, in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I couldn't find his his Twitter account there. But, yeah, back to Bailey. He was on Twitter at the very beginning um, around his draft time. And believe it or not, him and I were we were friends on Facebook because like, I, you know, like we're going to get into I I had a pretty good relationship with him. I was there when they drafted him for the blog box, and uh, I uh, did a couple of things for the Islanders website with him uh, for the Islanders Business Club and on my own blog, and it kind of just kind of was like a cool little friendship there through just the Islanders that I had with this this younger player coming into the league and, and things like that. But, yeah, I don't really blame him for for not <laughs> – being part of social media because like sometimes I question why I'm part of social media <laughs> with the amount of craziness that's out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but th- that's a good segue to, to one of the things we wanted to have you on with it. So again, if you, if you follow Mike on Twitter, you know him by his Twitter handle, maybe already it's Isles blogger, uh, which should tell you how long he's been at the whole Isles blogging thing. When your Twitter handle is Isles blogger, it's like you're the original or at least one of the originals. And so you've kind of seen, so the Isles social media scene change and grow over the, the years from, you know, like you said, early days uh, with the, the the team and the who had the blog box. We'll talk about that, you know, established for a while. That's gone away now. But, you know, there is definitely still outlets. There's a hell of a lot more podcasts than there were just a couple of years ago. But, uh, I mean, how did you end up getting started? Like, I mean, but nobody knows what to do when once they first start doing this. But, like, how do you go from just being sort of an Isles fan you know, just one of the many Isles fans or whoever on Twitter to like blogging for the team because that's kind of a big jump. That's a great question, and uh, <laughs> of course, I have a story about it. If you if you follow me long enough, you know, and I, I have written for Lighthouse Hockey in the past. Dom and I go way back, and uh, originally way back when when Lighthouse Hockey was first starting, him and I were toying with the idea of partnering up and it kind of just it never worked that way because of our schedules and everything else but I, I still love Dom I, I read Lighthouse Hockey regularly I might not participate in the comment sections uh, anymore or as much as I want but I have been thinking about coming back so watch out guys hey, join the club <laughs> I feel the same exact way but yeah, I, I'm believe it or not, I'm a published writer uh, in the automotive industry. I wrote for a magazine for a long time. Uh, I was a regular contributor to a TV show and um, a message board. The message board got bought by a magazine, which is how I kind of got sucked into that whole thing. And uh, it was just a little crazy hobby, like just like the blogging and the Islanders. And uh, yeah, I mean. I found myself in the masthead of a magazine for about six seasons of a magazine. And I wrote a whole bunch of articles and I got to go to trade shows in Vegas every year and been to California, helped out with my friend's social media for the TV show. And it's just one of those things. So like at the time when the Islanders came up with this crazy idea of a blog box and, uh, one of my friends was like, Hey, you know, you're right. Here's this thing. Believe it or not, it was a Rangers fan too, who told me about it. Go figure. Mm. And, uh, so I was like, all right, I created a website. Um, 
I couldn't really think of a name, which is why I came up with Isles Blogger. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I did a whole bunch of articles with a whole bunch of different things. And at the time, one of the weirdest things that I had found online was the Islanders had their own energy drink, if you remember that. Uh, it was some company that the logo was on the, the drink and everything. And if you go back through the archives, you go back to, I think, 2006 or 2007 on my website and uh, you could find it. If not, I could send you a link later on if I could find it as well. I'm definitely going to uh, look that up. It, now it's it, it's like Ecto Cooler, you know. It's this kind yeah, of like it's, a defunct it, uh, drink. I remember it. God, I got to remember what it was called. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, Mike, do you remember that? No, no I, I definitely remember it. Mm. But I can't. And I, um, it'll come to me. I just might blurt it out, you know, 20 minutes from now. <laughs> so, so yeah. So like, you know, like with the podcast, you know, they, they recommend when you start a podcast to get a bunch of content up there. So you have a, a bunch of things for people to enjoy or at least critique. And, uh, I found all these weird abstract things to write about and then started writing about the roster and some of the moves during the summer that summer. And the Islanders actually didn't even contact me. Uh, my father of all people who is again, another Rangers fan. I grew up in a Rangers house. I'm the only Islanders fan. And uh, he was like, why is your face on the Islanders website? (laughs) 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 So I was like, what What are you talking about? And I I went on there and I was one of, I guess the 10 people that were selected. And uh, so I was the guy uh, who, as much as I wrote, I brought my camera because I I like to take pictures like some of our other fans. And uh, I was in the locker room or just around the arena and they gave me kind of, full pass to go do whatever I wanted to do as much as I didn't get in the way of some of the league photographers. And I wasn't allowed to take pictures in the locker room. And I had a huge gallery on my website, which probably gained more hits than, um, some of the writing at first too. It was picked up by some of the other blogs like uh, Russian machine and Wyshynski always linked or, you know, asked me if he could use my pictures in his uh, puck daddy blog. And, you know, we'll get into him in a minute too, but, uh, just all these weird things that kind of just worked out for me. And I, I had a lot of fun. And then, like I said, you know, eventually the Islanders would kind of say, Hey, you know, why don't you write about this? Or can you give me uh, like an entry on this? Or why don't you come to practice this day? And it kind of spiraled out of control. And then, uh, one day I had the crazy idea even of, uh, saying, Hey, I would love to work out with the strength and conditioning coach one, one afternoon. And they were like, really, you would want to do that. And I was like, well, I'm a hockey player. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> right. And uh, put me through the paces. And uh, Zenon Kanopka was in, in there on the treadmill and on the elliptical. And he was chirping me the entire time, asking me why I was sweating so much. <laughs> did, I was he have, uh, did he have his bunny, his pet bunny? With- <laughs> no, no. Hoppy, Hoppy wasn't there. No. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, like, I mean, I got to experience all these things. And uh, like we we had talked about um, the other day, I, I went to three entry drafts, too, mm. and the NHL has been more than welcoming to bloggers and a lot of contacts, which you've seen through the podcast, people that, you know, come on, some former players and everything. It's just a, it's been a crazy experience, and I, I wish I really could have continued, and the option really was there for me to continue, but I moved out of Nassau County, so I wasn't close or as close to the Coliseum anymore. I couldn't really make practice. I, you know, I no longer work for my father. So that little, you know, benefit is not there anymore either. And, uh, you know, I gave up my season tickets, which is another thing. And, uh, married kids, you know how that goes. Your, oh, yeah. your hobbies kind of have to take a back seat there for a little while when you have babies. Yeah. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, my, mine is, uh, at a birthday party with uh, her friends right now, jumping on a trampoline or something. Uh, but no, it's tough. Like, you know, we, we talk about it, you know, I mean, like 
there there are jobs that are really tough. It's not like we're coal miners or anything like that. But but creating that kind of content for a long for a number of years, like you have, is is not easy. You know, I mean, take take it from me. Like I used to write a hell of a lot more when I had a lot more free time, and now. You know, it just turns out that like podcasting actually ends up taking less time than it does to to post do blog posts, and it sucks because I'd love to, I wish I could, but I just I just don't have the time to do it, and it's just things change. But to to come up with that kind of content for so long really can be tricky. But I mean, you know, you had access to uh, the team in a way that a lot of people didn't, and I mean, and you used it really great. I mean, again, you went to drafts, and you were at a, a draft in two thousand and nine that uh, I remember being kind of a. Uh, an important one. I don't remember the guy who they took. I don't remember, but um, you know that, that kind of stuff is really cool. And I mean, so I mean, are there any like experiences that jump out? You know, as like I mean, obviously, I'm sure they're all memorable. But like, is there like one that was like this is one of the awesomest things that's ever happened to me in my life? Or, uh... All right. So the reason behind the name the Isles Faithful Podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last summer uh, when Tavares was ultimately leaving and then he left and he wrote that article, uh, for the players tribune, you know, and he addressed it to the Isles faithful. I felt really burned by the whole situation as everybody else did. You know, I was emotional about it. I was ticked off. I, I was kind of, I was hurt that he would betray us like that, especially after all the things that he said. And this is not really about trying to bring up those feelings all over again, you know, but, but it's a place that we really can't just pass over or, or really, let go of that quickly. Right. So uh, that was the biggest draft for me personally. We had the first overall pick. We had gone through a really crap season, the season before to tank for Tavares and all that other stuff. And the, you know, the lead up to it and, Oh, are they going to draft headman? Are they going to draft Duchesne? You know, like nobody really knew there was a lot of stress and everything else. And I was going through a really trying time personally, um, in my personal life, go figure. It seems like every time we talk, right, there's something else going on. (laughs) And, uh, so I was, I, I went up to Montreal. I actually went with, uh, Tom Leides, uh, and Ken Dick and Doug Davidson, if you remember them. Mm. And, uh, Montreal is a fantastic city. We had fun right out of the gate. You know, we flew up. We had just a great time. Um, I met so many people the year prior when I was in Ottawa that it it was just like, hey, you're going to be there. All right, we need to hang out. You know, and one of those people was Greg Wyshynski. So I have had a great friendship with Greg over the last 10 years. I I really have. And uh, he's actually going to be coming on uh, the podcast (laughs) at some point after at some point after the holiday, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're up there and you know, the, the hype to be in Canada and Canada's son, basically the, the greatest thing since Gretzky is coming through and to just be part of that and to be behind the scenes, to sit in the media risers and to take place in all the press conferences and to sit there. And, uh, they drafted him obviously. And Islander fans were elated. They paraded him around. I got to interview him, you know, before the rest of the media got to interview him because we were there and the Islanders kind of made a big thing of it that we were there. Islanders TV was following us around like they followed us around the previous year in Ottawa. So it was pretty cool. We were like part of the whole spectacle. The best thing about that whole entire experience was when I walked past Brian Burke's press conference and he was basically crying that Garth said no to trading the number one pick. It was it was the most hysterical thing. And I I wrote something about it. It's still up there on my blog. Garth said no. I, it's all I titled it. And it's just I go back to that from time to time and to hear him talk on 
you know, talk radio up there in Canada or NHL network radio. It's just, I go back to that moment and it is like the funniest thing I, I had ever seen. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. It sounds like I'm just picturing him crying and it, it sounds hilarious just to think about it, you know? So that is really cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, the blog box thing, I was thinking about it too, when I was thinking about, you know, this episode, it, that was a really innovative thing. Like nobody, nobody told them that they had to, you know, invite basically fans, you know, to, to write stories for them. But I mean, at the time, you know, this was when it obviously was under Charles Wong's ownership and, and the team, you know, I mean, still, uh, you could argue, doesn't get, you know, quite as much media attention uh, as, as a lot of other teams do. And I mean, their solution was to just like, why don't we, you know, have fans come in and write stuff. And you had like, they had like a seat at the Coliseum, right? Wasn't there like a special section where you guys can write from? And that was a really yeah. cool idea. <laughs> It was at the top of the 200s. I, I think it was 209. If I'm uh, not 209, maybe it was across the across the way. It was behind the benches, or no, across from the benches. Someone else will probably say. <laughs> so my seats were in 309. Mm. It was on that side of the ice, maybe 204. I think it was 204, kind of like right on the red line. And you know what? The some of the media would actually come down from the press box and spend time with us because we would be interviewed and, mm. you know, they, we had a better seat basically than they did up, <laughs> up top. So, right. you know, so, some of the media would come down and kind of hang out and interview us and, and just kind of say hi. Billy Jaffe would come down all the mm. time. Uh, Deb Kaufman would come by and say hi. Uh, some of the, believe it or not, visiting wives for some strange reason would always, <laughs> what the heck, what the heck is this? What's going on? Look, honey, they uh, do have fans. You told me they yeah. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. And um, eventually Farmingdale State College got involved, too. There was like a sponsorship with that. So they they kind of had journalist uh, students come and, and do certain things for projects, too. So, so it was pretty interesting. And then eventually uh, they moved us from there uh, because the numbers kind of dwindled down. There was like maybe four or five people that would still regularly come every single game and did whatever the Islanders asked or the right way so then they moved us up into the press box which was like kind of a big deal because they gave us our own row i sat right behind paul cartier for five years so <laughs> it was he'd be like hey guys watch this and then like he would pull out one of his awesome little melody things and get the crowd going so it was it was a unique thing to, to especially to be a season ticket holder and then to experience what we did and you know and then guys like charles wong would would get to know you and call you by name. Hey, how's it going? How's the family? You know, let everyone know I said Merry Christmas. And he would always remember you. Garth, I have so many stories about Garth. He just always, you know, like Staple has been saying on his podcast, he he has a chirp for everything. That and, uh, You know, I, I owe a lot to Garth as much as some fans might want to, you know, blame him for some of the things that we've gone through as fans. But he, I can't say anything negative about the guy personally. I really can't. The, um, that staple episode where they talk about Garth is great. And he said, he's a hard guy not to like, you know, once you, once you work with him and talk with him and, and get to know him, it's hard not to like him, you know, cause he's just such a, he's a fun guy to hang out with. And yeah, he, he gives it to everybody. You know, I mean, Arthur tells a story about how, uh, I, I don't know if it's a chirp, but, uh, he uh, he got Arthur's wife's attention once by just like yelling some non sequitur. <laughs> I won't I won't like you know spoil the story, but he just like yelled something into the the press box, and she was like, "What?" You know, and that was Garth. Like he do, he would just do that, you know, just to just to get a rise out of you. So uh, no, I, I'm sure that was that was pretty awesome. Um, I always I think it's funny when you know Tux was talking about like the lack of uh, media attention, and that's kind of how this idea. I, I'm assuming that's you know maybe how it sparked. The Islanders were maybe having an internal discussion, and it was a great idea. And 
I always remember, because um, I watch a video a lot, more times than I care to admit, uh, of uh, the CBC like special when Ryan Smith got traded, like two days later, Elliot Friedman, they did this. I mean, it was like the most, it's the most dramatic thing. It, I, uh, I joke that it, it, it's won a gourd, which is the Canadian version of an Oscar because it's just a great, <laughs> it's a great little, you know, six minute film. And uh, it's then they, they, they follow Smith, like going into the locker room for the first time. And he, and he meets Mike Sillinger and Sillinger is just like, oh man, like we haven't seen the media around here in years. And, <laughs> uh, it's like him and Jason Blake and Trent Hunter and they're all just, you know, laughing about how the media's not there and, and, and Sillinger's like, next thing you know, like we might have hockey night in Canada here and they all just like crack, crack up. And at that point I was, that's, I was, I was watching it. Like I said, more than I care to admit, I was watching it like yesterday. And, uh, I was thinking about this episode too. And I was like, you know what, that's kind of why the, the Islanders for as badly run as they were during that period, like they had zero the only time they ever got attention was when the Islanders did something stupid. And, and unfortunately that was a lot, but, uh, that's why like the, when they came up with the blog box and stuff, people were genuinely excited about it. Uh, cause they're like, well now I can like, someone will be paying attention to my team and I can like read and I can engage with it, which is basically all we've been wanting for, um, what, you know, 20 years since, yeah. uh, you know, like sports media kind of digitized itself and modernized. Uh, and, I think now, like at this time, like it's finally reached the point where we're maybe as a fan base. I, don't, I mean, I, th I still think there could be more, but we're finally reached a level of like satisfaction with um, not not the national media at all or, or the <laughs> mainstream hockey media, but like with the internal Islander media. We're like we're getting what we finally what we've been always wanting, which is like enough channels and ways of covering different ways of covering the team and th different ways to engage. Um that, that kind of meets everybody's uh, wants and needs as an, as an Islander fan. Yeah, I mean, we're up you to know, two whole uh, two whole beat writers now. So, but uh, <laughs> but and the Islanders do a good good job too. I mean, their website is some of the best stuff that gets written about the Islanders. You know, you know, it's it's funny. You know, Mike, you you bring that up or Leboff because we were going to refer to you <laughs> as Leboff, right? So there's no confusion. Um, the New York Islanders had a gentleman working for them by the name of Josh Bernstein for a long time, who ultimately got laid off and, and went to ESPN. Josh uh, was a pretty good friend of mine and a pretty good friend of some of us in the blog box. He was one of those people that completely embraced what they were doing and would bend over backwards to make sure that we had everything we needed. And if he saw us around and, and we had a problem, he was kind of the go between between the Islanders, Chris Botta and the NHL or, and, and he was kind of one of the people who really helped me get settled for the first draft that we had gone to. Cause I came up with this crazy idea at the, at one of the meetings they brought us to, cause we would meet with Garth snow, like not once a week, but maybe once every two weeks and, and just ask him questions and everything else. And I brought it up and, and you know, that's how it kind of happened. But Josh was trying to get us, or at least a couple of us to work for the Islanders to actually write in the me social media department. One of the uh, one of the blog boxers, Tom Leides, actually got into uh, the social media department there, and and he wrote for them for a couple of years on the website, and and then he he moved on to different things. But right before he he got hired first, and here I am, I'm I'm just an air conditioning guy, you know. I've I've been in I've been in a trade my entire life, just a blue collar guy who happens to just be a decent writer, and and has kind of stepped in poo, as you would like to say sometimes. <laughs> Uh, you know, and and he was here. He was. He was trying to get me a job with a National Hockey League team, and and I was like, I'm a fan, 
that it's getting to experience this. And I, I have no idea, like I say now, I have no idea how to deal with those type of feelings and, and that type of not success, but opportunity. And it was just crazy. The whole entire thing is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is crazy to think about. And, uh, you know, uh, with all due respect, it's probably not going to happen again under Lula Amarillo. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's funny though, because it, you know, Kimber Auerbach, who is the current PR uh, person for the New York Islanders, yeah. when I left, you know, when I said I'm not, I'm not really sure next season. When I, you know, it was like the 2011, 2012 season. I think it was my last year covering the team. I said, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure I'm going to be able to do it next season. You know, I'm, I'm moving and everything else. And he said, you're always welcome back. Hmm. And last season, when I started the podcast, I said, look, I'm not looking to go every game. I'm definitely not looking to get you know, access to every single practice. Cause it's just not going to happen. You know, would you be open to the idea of me maybe coming from time to time just to get a couple of sound bites and, and everything like that. And they were receptive, but they said, you haven't written in so long. It wouldn't really be fair to some of the other people who, who are going because Christian Arnold still is there every single game mm. and he does a great job uh, over at, you know, Isles insight. And, I, I haven't reached out to them in a while, honestly, only because I, I haven't really had much time. My kid plays travel baseball. My daughter's starting to get more active now. Like we said, we had birthday party on Friday. Yours has a birthday party today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, I, I, if it happens, it happens. I'm not really pressing the issue. I, I think I'm doing well enough, not really getting you know, the attention from them. But the, the one positive thing is I, I know – if I ever needed anything, if I reached out, you know, they would at least try to accommodate me in some way. So there's a positive. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you had the relationship, you know, for so long that it's, you know, it's nice that they, they didn't immediately just like lock the door and you're out. You know, they remember your relationship. They remember all the time you spent. And, and it's good that they keep the door open. There, you know, I mean, even if Lou was probably like, uh, who, who is this? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what are you doing in our locker room? Like, you know, you, you know, know, and it's it. funny, too. Last year I was I was hammering Eberle like everybody else. And next thing you know, I get a message like, you know, just so you know. You should probably lay off him. And I'm not going to say who it was or mm. the reasoning behind it, but it, it was just clear to me that people still pay attention to what I'm doing. Mm. So, yeah. So it's, it's always a weird <laughs> thing when you hear that. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow, they, they actually listened to us. I mean, I was, we, we were talking about how we got to meet uh, Corey Wright last week of the Islanders. And I just, it's funny that, I mean, Corey's the guy who writes a lot of the stuff for the, he's their web manager. And I'm like, I can't believe somebody on the team is actually reading and listening to what what we do. It's kind of mind-boggling. Oh, they pay attention to everything, trust yeah. me. They they it's part of meetings, it's part mm -hmm. of everything else and it's all about the whole grand scheme of things and and you know they they like to they like to know what the fans are are talking about because there's a whole marketing thing behind it. So there's yeah, a whole department true. that pays attention. Uh, and uh, with that, I mean, we'll go down to just our last time. We can't talk about Isle's social media without talking about the uh, the raging tire fire that is always uh, Isle's Twitter. Uh, but even that's different, you know. I mean, I mean, I don't think Isle's Twitter was even a thing when you probably first started your Isle's Blogger account, and then it became this sort of like you know crazy beast of of you know that was never satisfied, never settled, and now you know the team itself is making great strides. They've got a new social media. I mean, it's like night and day with the, you know, the social media from last year used to be very, very basic, not do much. And now it's like memes and they, got, you know, this lob I don't really get the whole lobsters thing, but they want to do it. So that's fine by me. I don't know. But it's like a, it's like a totally different thing. And it's almost like 
it's almost a metaphor for Isles Twitter in and of itself, how it started out kind of very small, got really, really crazy. Uh, and, you know, now it's just it, it, they're having fun with it now, which is great. But, you know, you don't want it to get, I think, too intense, which I think is probably something that happened a couple of years there. I just couldn't even I couldn't after the Tavares thing. I couldn't even take it. I just had to step off Twitter altogether. But uh, <laughs> just I mean, could you summarize like what how how that's changed at all in, in your your time you know, on Twitter? Uh, I could try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> So Twitter came about sometime in 2006 and I was, I wouldn't say slow to kind of, to kind of get involved, but I, I mean, I knew about it. I would, I would read it on the website and everything before the apps and everything else with the smartphones. Uh, cause I had a windows AT&T or a singular phone or whatever before an iPhone. So, or, you know, Android, you know, cause there was no such thing then. Right. Yeah. So I, I joined Twitter in 2007. So I've, I've been on there for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it, it, it started out with just a, a bunch of nerdy people who happen to like sports, like, oh, here's this thing where you have to type in 140 characters, but it gave you an opportunity to follow along in real time. It was, it was, if you know, you're old enough to remember the IRC chat rooms and AOL and oh, AIM yeah. and everything else. So <laughs> to me, it was just another way to talk about what I enjoyed most. And, and that's the NHL. I, I mean, I, I'm a baseball fan. I'm a football fan. I'm like I said, we're watching the jet game right now in the rain, which they just scored another touchdown, mm. which is insane. Um, but it, it, it went from, well, number one, the 140 characters up until like two years ago with the 240. Uh, but it was a way like we had just previously said to, to kind of just get little quick quips out there. And it was before memes and everything else. And it, it's kind of taken on a different feel. Um, almost like a mini blogging platform because that right. was really what it was billed as was like a micro blog. And right. I kind of used it as an advantage to get everything that I was writing out there to a multitude of people. Um, before beat writers kind of were on there, I would live blog games on Twitter from the press box, which always seemed to go over well. And obviously that's really kind of what the mainstream media does at that point. And we referred to them as the <laughs> MSM. <laughs> <laughs> as bloggers, you know, because they referred to us as just the kids in their mom's basement. So, <laughs> you know, and I'm in my own basement. I would just like to yeah. just to point that Me out. I, I own yeah. my I own my own home. I'm in my own basement. So <laughs> you guys can just suck it, okay? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But That's, yeah, no. Twitter yeah. Twitter's fun. It's it's fast paced. Um, you get information right into your eyeballs as it happens. And, you know, like the rest of the world, it's, it's an on demand world and it's just right there all the time. Yeah. It's uh, I, I sometimes think if I wasn't a sports fan, or I should say, how do people that aren't sports fans use Twitter? Like uh, to me, it's, I, it doesn't, the two go together. Like I joined Twitter specifically because of sports, because instead of waiting a week to read, you know, Bob McKenzie and, whatever on TSN or the hockey news. I mean, going back years now I could follow Bob McKenzie. And as soon as he tweets something, I will know, you know? So it's like, I don't know how we did it beforehand. You had to wait and then you had to, you know, parse it out. But now to just follow all these writers and then get that information immediately is pretty crazy. Uh, sometimes that information that you're getting is not information you want to hear. <laughs> and sometimes those replies to that information is something you wish you didn't see. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it does have its uses. It is it is a, a powerful tool, but uh, it can be a little much sometimes. And sometimes you just have to kind of like log off and and just cool down and, you know, remind yourself that, 
you know, there's a whole world out there that doesn't involve people yelling at, at each other on Twitter. So we don't need that. <laughs> that, that there's a there's a great quote from the Army football coach. I was watching a game and like well, I was watching college game day and, and he's and he's getting his team, you know, jacked up, I think, to play Michigan. And he's like, there's six million people in China that don't give a shit about this game right now. <laughs> think about that as you go out there. <laughs> and I always remind myself of that during, uh, you know, Islander Twitter meltdowns now. <laughs> You know what though? They're they're over there talking on Weibo or whatever the heck right, it is, yeah. the, the China equivalent to Twitter. That that also sounds like something Barry Trotz would tell tell his team. Like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, it's just yeah. just go out there and do your thing, you know, and don't worry about the other millions of people that don't care. You know, we got to focus on this game right here, right now, and it's worked so far. Uh, cool. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Mike. This is great. Uh, you know. Uh, Again, I was on the Isles Faithful podcast a little while ago. Uh, you should listen to it. I mean, we've linked to it a bunch of times, and, and, I mean, you do great work, and you get great guests on there. So, I mean, if you haven't already subscribed to it, you definitely should. Uh, what do you got coming up uh, over there, uh, you know, for the, I guess, this week or, or coming up soon? Well, I, I decided, I guess, last week, really, that because there was, like, such a big break in, in between my episodes at the beginning of the month with everything I had going on that I, I was going to try to do, like, a longer-form episode early in the week and, like, a shorter recap thing going on. So I got a couple of different options for guests. I'm trying to see whose schedule works out with what. You know how that goes when it comes to guests. I, I don't oh want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't I don't want to talk about it in case it doesn't come to fruition and then I'll look like an idiot. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, um, I've been talking to, to Katie Strang because she had shouted me out on Staples podcast, which I thought was awesome. Mm. And, um, her and I go way back. So she's slated to come on here over the next couple of weeks. I, uh, I've been talking to Wyshynski. Um, like I said, I, him and I go way back and, uh, he's said anything you need, you know, let me know. And, so he's going to be coming on some sometime after Thanksgiving. Uh, and I have a couple of former players that I've been talking to and trying to work out. So, uh, you know, when when I know, you guys will know, I, I guess, is the <laughs> best way. You have to follow me on Twitter to really find out. And you absolutely should, if you haven't already. It's Isles Blogger. It's pretty simple to remember. And, uh, again, subscribe to the Isles Faithful podcast. Uh, and, you know, he's got, you got the website there too, right? It's islesfaithful.com or... Yeah, it's correct. The Islesfaithful.com. The Islesfaithful. That, that's why I always get it wrong because I forget the the. It's the Islesfaithful.com. So check that I, out. Subscribe yes, to the podcast. I also, yep. I, oh, sorry to interrupt. Oh. I also own Isles Faithful, just so it redirects. So it's not ah, really a big deal. Okay. There you go. See, <laughs> smart. This is, see, this This is the thing. You, you're the wily veteran. So you know all these these, these uh, things, you know? That, yeah, uh, tell, that to my, tell that to my wife. She just thinks it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> no, it's smart. It's smart. I'm pro- Mike's wife. It's smart. No, seriously, it is. Uh, but this has been great, Mike. Thanks a lot. We, appreci- we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, sometime soon. All right. I appreciate it. Maybe next time, uh, Lee Boff will, will talk a little bit more. I feel like I just stole the spotlight there. <laughs> now, there's only room for uh, for one and a half mics. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. I appreciate it, guys. Thank right. you again. And uh, So long, bud. It's been fun. Thanks again to Michael Sherline for that great interview. That was awesome. Uh, we had a lot of fun, and uh, we were saying afterwards, man, you could write a whole book on that blog box, and it would be really interesting because <laughs> that's such a weird, you know, I mean, it's such a cool thing that they did. And, you know, I mean, it's really it was very much ahead of its time. And, uh, you know, it, it was cool to watch that happen. I mean, they don't do it again anymore. They don't do it now, and again, I can't really see Lou bringing it back. But uh, that was pretty awesome that they did that. You know, it's a very, very progressive uh, idea for yeah. them. Yeah, it was. It was uh... – 
progressive and you know you, you wonder like you're saying like it's, it was progressive out of almost necessity but mm. they really I, I remember just being thrilled with it like seeing the like the islanders being the ones to do that you know it's it's like with aj and jen you know like you, you somebody's you know, it's a very progressive idea to have two female broadcasters on your your broadcast and it's like oh that's really cool that my team is doing that you know somebody somebody's got to be the first to do it and i'm glad it was them you know it's really neat yeah exactly uh, okay, so um, like I said earlier, um, this is going to run Monday afternoon. So the Ducks, they're going to play the Ducks that, that night, try and stay up. Uh, it's a 10 o'clock start. They uh, have another 10.30 start, I believe, on Wednesday. It's nice that it's Thanksgiving, so you should be uh, everybody should be off that next day so you can stay up and watch them play the L.A. Kings. Um, you know, neither of those teams is very good. The Sharks had kind of turned things around. Um, so we'll kind of have to see, uh, you know, Martin Jones had a terrible record going into that Sharks game, played very, very, very well. And the Islanders came away with one point against Anaheim. They're going to play John Gibson and we don't talk about him much on our coast, but that dude is damn good. So, uh, you know, if they can play the same, hopefully they can get a better result against the guy who is much, much better than Martin Jones. But, uh, that Ducks team, when you talk about a team that's, that's hard to figure out. They just, you know. I don't know. I, I I still think of them as this team that is big and mean and and you know Getzlaff and Perry and stuff. But Perry's gone. Getzlaff is old. I don't even know if I could probably name half the guys on that roster now. But uh, you know, it's, you kind of take what you can get from West Coast trips. And so far, they've got one point in the bank, and hopefully, they can walk out with two more. Yeah, they are a weird team, uh, and they have a John Gibson is probably you know one of the best goalies in the leagues, but he hasn't been uh, very good and. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of them or and the Kings, too. Like, the Kings, I don't know anybody on the Kings, really. Like, you look <laughs> at that roster, I'm like, who, who are half these guys? Right. And you wonder what they'll be doing. Um, who, who are these guys and why are they making so much money? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there are definitely two teams that, like, you know, you can watch and be like, oh, you know, maybe the Islanders look, can, can, can use, like, you know, Tyler Toffoli or, you know, someone that they'll be trying to uh, get rid of. But uh, other than that, like, I've been kind of, it's hard to, to figure or to to have any kind of um, conclusion on either one of those teams. Yeah, I, I was telling my wife yesterday as I was settling in to watch the game. You know, I was like, this is one of those times where I really wish I could watch the other team's feed of the game because I, I really wonder what these guys are going to say about the Islanders because I I don't think they pay much attention to to them out here. I mean, you know, I wouldn't I don't blame them because we don't pay much attention to the Sharks. But uh, you know, I just was kind of curious as to what they would say. I wouldn't normally do that for for most road games, but I really wish the Sharks crew is usually pretty good. And I wonder what they would say about these guys. They've won how many games in a row? Like that kind of thing. So uh, I'm sure they have no idea who anybody on the Islanders is either and why they're not making that much money. So I think that'd probably be a similar question. <laughs> um, I want to get to, uh, Oh, actually let me get real quick. Speaking of ducks. Um, so uh, today's uh, he was an Islander. I, I was trying to think of guys who played for the ducks and played for the Islanders. And I went through uh, an old ducks roster and I found a great candidate uh, he's a current uh, assistant coach for somebody, I think, and it's uh, the great J.J. Daniel. Jean-Jacques Daniel uh, huh. was uh, an Islander for only 18 games back in the 97-98 season. Came to the Islanders in the trade that sent Travis Green and who else? Uh, Doug Huda and a guy named Tony Tuzolino to Anaheim <laughs> for J- well, no, he was just He was just a... Uh uh, they were like, you know, you, you, we got a really great deli here in, in Wontaw. We'll send you we'll send you this guy. Yeah, maybe Tony Tuzolino is a guy we should look up. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Joe Sacco and Mark Jansons also came over with uh, 
with Daniel uh, in the uh, in that trade and Jansen's. They both none of them. Sta- Joe Sacco, I think, was the only one who stayed for another season. But uh, Daniel was uh, a defenseman. He won a cup in '93 with the Habs, and he's played for literally half the teams in the league. He was a Minnesota Wild for apparently uh, a game in 2001, which I didn't even know. But he was uh, he was in uh, Phoenix for a while. He was in Philly for a while. He went from Philly to Montreal. Uh, he was in St. Louis for a while. He was a Penguin for a while. So he's been all over the place. He was a pretty good player. Uh, shorter guy. He was only 5'10". Uh, somebody I'm sure would have been complaining about how short he was uh, if uh, we had a blog back then. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. J.J. Daniel was an Islander. <laughs> I, yeah, he's 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 one that you like even like uh like Doug Hoda or Joe Sacco too. Like I, you just I always just laugh when I when I remember Joe Sacco was an island because you just think of him as as a duck. I mean, he wasn't ever particularly like great at anything, but uh man. I think Joe Sacco was coaching for a little while too. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he was uh so, yeah, the Avalanche coach for a while, so. Uh I don't know if I've ever told this story, but I remember um so Mark Jansen's was an Islander for only a couple of games. Didn't come back the next year. I remember this happening. I wish I could tell me. I can remember who told me the story. But uh, so uh, later on, I forget where he played after playing for the Islanders. But Mark, they were being he was being interviewed, or the, or the reporters were just talking to him. I think before the game, and he mentioned that Ziggy Palfi is like the least athletic looking athlete he had ever played with, and so that got back to Ziggy. And Ziggy, they went to Ziggy, the reporters, and were like, you know, Mark Jansen's said you were the least athletic looking athlete he'd ever played with and Ziggy's answer was who is Mark Jansen's <laughs> shared a shared a locker room with the guy for probably like 12 games in the last you know last part of that season and so so there you go that's a Mark Jansen story and a Ziggy Palfi story all in one perfect <laughs> yeah um now I want to get to a couple of emails real quick um that were sent to me um I thought they were kind of neat uh we joked last week about our uh, lofty standing in the uh the Norwegian iTunes uh, charts among hockey podcasts. Well, I got a great email from Thomas who is from Norway and he's a listener and uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, just to impart, he writes um, most hockey fans in Norway who follow the NHL are Rangers fans, mostly because of Matt Zuccarello. I forgot to uh, wish everybody a happy Matt Zuccarello last time. So I'm glad he brought him up. Uh, we do have some Isles fans, but uh, not many. Unfortunately, we're going to have an Isles meetup in Oslo in February. Uh, which won't uh, we won't be many, but I still think it's pretty cool because I think it'll be the first ever meetup of any NHL team in the country. So hey, if you're in Norway and you're in Oslo and you might want to look this up, maybe you can get uh, get to the meetup and uh, find some other Islanders fans. Uh, he's been an Islanders fan for 30 years. So his first game at the Coliseum was 1996. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. holy, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's, uh, that's dedication for being an Isles fan from Norway for 30 years. So thank you very I much. Mean, yeah, to- I, I don't even know why he would go to a game in 96. They were so bad back then. <laughs> it was Clark you know, Gillies' night, he says. Clark Gillies' wow, right. n- number of retirements. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, I missed that game. It's a whole it's a whole long story, heartbreaking story. Uh, but uh, his um, he was also uh, at the uh, the penalty shot, the Sean Bates penalty shot game. Oh, me too. Was, yeah, so. that's, that's awesome. Now, that, that's, a, <laughs> that's a game. That was a game worth traveling. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty cool. yeah no definitely uh so thank you very much thomas and again thanks to everybody in norway for listening to us we really appreciate it that's a great email uh i love it i wrote it back and uh we really appreciate getting it uh enjoy the enjoy the meetup in oslo in february so take a look for that uh and then i got another email actually an earlier email from uh, a guy i've talked to before in the czech republic his name is paul uh he's an avid listener and a, and a, and a reader and uh he's, he's a very nice guy we've again we've conversed a couple of times and uh he just wanted to thank uh 
thank us for um, uh, the Brian Trottier episode of Islanders Award winners. He said uh, he remembered that season so well. He was a teenage Islanders fan. So a teenage Islanders fan uh, living in the Czech Republic, um, and he brought back all these memories. So I um, thank you very much, for Paul, for listening, and I'm glad we could bring back those memories. And thank you for giving me the perfect segue to say that our next episode of Islanders Award winners is coming December 2nd. Is that the Monday? Yes, it is. December 2nd. Uh, and it's about a season that I know you care about very much. 2002, Michael Pekka, Selkie Trophy. Uh, it's got the whole Leaf series, the whole trade, all kinds of stuff going on. And that was that was a very eventful season, to say the least. So, uh, Paul, I hope you enjoy that. I hope uh, – thank you very much for listening and the kind words for the, the Brian Trottier episode. That was a fun one. There was a lot of, a lot of stuff in there I did not know and – you know, injuries that happened and, and other things. So uh, that was a cool one. But thanks for listening, and uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for giving me a segue to to pump the tires of the next episode. <laughs> I, really <appreciate> so. <laughs> I was I was watching the, uh, you know, in last night. I guess just killing time before the game. I was watching the 2006 Stanley Cup like highlights video. I completely forgot Michael Peck was on that Oilers team. Right. I looked that yeah. up. Yeah, I didn't realize it either. But um, yeah, no, he was an integral part of that team too. Yeah, I mean, and and that 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 was a crazy team. And that was I was watching game one. I forgot Dwayne Rollison had that gaff, mm. you know, where the, the Hurricane scored. They came back from three nothing down, and like Fernando Pisani was scoring like a hundred goals. What a in that playoffs. Like UC Markinen and Ty Conklin were in goal because Rollison got hurt, and man, that series yep. was that whole. I mean, that that was the post lockout season, so everything. Yeah, was exactly. Completely so nobody, and nobody watched it, right? Because <laughs> it was like OLN, the right. Stanley Cup on OLN with the Oilers and Hurricanes. My God, Doug Wade obviously was on the Hurricanes team, and yep. it's just God, what a what it was. It was like chaos, but in the best possible way, you know. And I I don't think if I don't think it made a whole lot of hockey fans, but if you are a hockey fan. That's that whole season and that series has to bring a smile to your face because it's just completely insane. Like it's just you know, yep. all the weirdos on those teams is just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of uh, Canadian teams, real quick before we go, um, you know, obviously the uh, the Maple Leafs made some news this week. They fired Mike Babcock. I was surprised. I thought he would make it the entire season, but they fired him. They installed Sheldon Keefe uh, as their uh, coach. He was from the Marlies. He's been the Marlies coach for five years. People are happy. Some players are happy <laughs> that Mike Babcock's not – Mike Babcock obviously not isn't happy anymore. But, um, you know, I just uh, – we're going to have to see how the Leafs go. I mean, again, I as I told, uh, I was on this uh, Silky and Filthy podcast, which is uh, done by our Canucks blog, uh, Nux Misconduct. And if you get a chance to listen to it, it was a lot of fun. Those guys are, are a hoot. Um, but as I told them, I just hope that – I don't know how why the Leafs are the way they are. I just hope their struggles continue. That was my only – my only hope. But uh, I did find it interesting. This is from Mark Masters. Is he's from TSN? Yes, he's from TSN. And he was talking to the Leafs after they won their first game. And I thought this quote from Jason Spezza was very interesting. Spezza says, We'll probably play in our end a little bit, but you try and keep them to the outside. We hear talk of the Islanders and how they're playing. And sometimes you have to kind of be comfortable with playing in your D zone and letting teams be on the outside. So let the record show that the Maple Leafs have fired their coach and now have decided to play a little bit more like the Islanders. So there you go. That was kind of fun. It's uh, yeah, it's a new world we're living in. But that uh, I, 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 we were saying that so many people have texted us about those. I had like four people t- tweet me that link or send me that link, uh, and it's just great. I mean, that, they're the talk of the league, and in it's it's like reached the inner circles mm. of you know where players are like I don't know, you know we got to play more like the Islanders. Mm. 
So, so throw Jason like Spets on there with uh, Jim Montgomery and uh, who else we were saying? Somebody else was saying that the know. Blues last year. We won right, the right, yeah. Blues. Uh, the Coyotes <laughs> are the Islanders West. Somebody <laughs> said I think that was like Elliot Freeman. It's just <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right, so there you go. There's four, and uh, you know, there's uh, so I guess t- twenty five to go. There you go. It's just a matter of time before it reaches <laughs> the, the entire the entire league. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks again to Michael Sherline for coming on with us. That was a really great talk. Uh, enjoy Thanksgiving. Make sure to be safe and uh, eat a lot of food and be thankful. And, uh, you know, give back to, to others. That's kind of the whole point of the whole holiday. At least the best, <laughs> that's the best takeaway uh, you can have uh, from it. But uh, we're thankful for everybody for listening. Uh, we should all be thankful for Barry Trotz and the Islanders Barry doing Trotz. what they do. Yeah. And, Trotz uh, giving. Tr- it is Trotz giving. We should consider this a trots giving. So yeah, think about it. Think about having a trots giving party at your at your place and giving out sage advice to uh, to people in need. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, so uh, PT Isles is already popped up. Uh, you should probably already seen that in your feed. It's going to come out Sunday afternoon. Uh, there's going to be an Isles buzz probably Tuesday uh, with another special guest. That ought to be fun. Uh, we still need calls for my favorite Islanders game. The number is six four six nine eight zero. Eight eight five seven. Please, I need calls. We don't have. A, we only have a couple right now, so don't hesitate. You can have a few days off. Call. Tell me about your favorite Islanders game. Six four six nine eight zero eight eight five seven. VintageIceHockey.com is the place to get your hoodies, your T-shirts, your mugs featuring a hundred classic hockey logos. There are also Islanders uh, Lighthouse hockey stuff there. They have our uh, Al Arbor shirts. When you use the code Lighthouse15, you'll save 15%. You will also donate a portion to the Center for Dementia Research. You buy an Al Arbor shirt, you'll also donate to the Center for Dementia Research. Kevin's got some great stuff there. I mean, there's always new stuff. It's all great. VintageIceHockey.com, Lighthouse15 in the discount code box. Isles Buzz also has a, a discount code. You just listen to them and uh, just just buy stuff from there because it's awesome. And, and people will be like, oh, that's a great shirt. Where is that? It's like, I got it from Vintage Ice Hockey. It's a Vintage Ice Hockey logo. Do that. It's awesome. I think we're all ready for a little bit of Thanksgiving break. Uh, by the way, Frozen 2, very good. Saw it yesterday. Uh, it was very, very good. I enjoyed it. The visuals are, are awesome, and there's a song in there that sounds like REO Speedwagon. So if you're into that, it's even better. Um, where can uh, people follow you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski with two E's. You get Islander stuff. You get betting advice. I mean, you can't go wrong. You have to follow him on Twitter. Yeah, you can follow me at Culture of Losing, I guess, if you really want to, but don't worry about it. You might get Frozen 2 reviews. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Enjoy your Thanksgiving break, and uh, we'll be back sometime next week. Uh, oh, the Islanders play the Blue Jackets on Saturday, too, so hey, if you can get out to the bark, uh, enjoy it, have fun. should be a good one, and uh, see if they can uh, make it out of November with uh, a pretty spectacular record, which, again, brave new world. <laughs> <laughs> The days of November apparently are over, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, finally some regression from the Capuano Novembers and Scott oh, Gordon man. Novembers. Thank God. It's about time. Thank God. <laughs> and uh, hopefully that, yeah, that's a trend that continues. But uh, thanks a lot, and happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. Thank you.